0: Hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Cindy Griffin Podcast. My name is Joe Greenwich, and joining me as always, who else but St. Joseph's Women's Basketball Head Coach Cindy Griffin. Coach, thanks for being here.
1: Joe, thanks for having me.
0: You uh, were on a little bit of a trip earlier this week, uh, a little recruiting trip. That's got to be kind of, I- I'll say, an interesting thing to navigate during the season, trying to find the time to go see some players. Is it, Does it make you more selective about what you go to see, or who you go to see, rather, uh, what sort of event you go to, or is it just you know sometimes you you got to go where you got to go
1: yeah i think this time of year when we have a break with with academics meaning that we are we are in finals and uh, the players are um, working on their finals and we're giving them uh, multiple days off to prepare it gives us the chance to get out and evaluate players and uh, uh, maybe some longer trips that we can't take locally uh, that we would want to take uh, during this time. So that allowed me to do that and we've been out all week uh, locally and within you know within uh, the two or three hour radius.
0: Is that something that you kind of factor into the schedule making? like you know, hey, the kids get their time off for exams and we also get to, to do this during the year, not something again that you're gonna be able to do in a random week in the middle of January or February?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, the NCAA ended up cutting our, our evaluation days down by almost half. So you really have to be very, very selective. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe you get 60 evaluations during the academic year and that's, that's um, it does count one per coach. So, you know, if we have all four coaches as, coaches out, that's four evaluations, right? So, um, so during this time, we have to be very, very selective, but at the same time, if we can get to a multiple team event, that would be great and there are a lot of tournaments going on we've been down in dc we've been in virginia um you know there's going to be some local tournaments here in philadelphia i was just up in maine seeing seeing one of our signees for next year um so this time of year really um really allows for that which we're grateful
0: well another thing this time of year represents it's christmas break winter break getting started christmas a big thing in the griffin household
1: Yes, it's very big. It's huge. Um, you know, again, this time of year, you're able to get out and do some shopping and, uh, you know, get that... <laughs> the uh, real important the things. The <laughs> real important things, right. But uh, no, certainly just, you know, the house is being decorated. You know, you're getting into the spirit. I was just at uh, my son's um, holiday show last night and then at a Christmas mass this morning. So it does get you into the, the Christmas spirit, and um, but definitely big in the Griffin house for sure.
0: What would you say is your favorite Holiday tradition. Like, if everything else had to go away and you could pick one thing to keep doing, what's that going to be?
1: Uh, you know, I think Christmas uh, Christmas Eve Mass is really big mm-hmm. uh, for our family, and just getting together. And um, and is also a midnight always, Mass or is it earlier? No, we go early. You okay. know, um, we we go early uh, usually around the six o'clock. So it's not the children's Mass where it's packed. We're just it's right. the one after, right? So, <laughs> um, so and then it just depends on if uh, if Curtis John is uh, is an altar server. So then we would go to that Mass. But though that, and then also we, we tend to go ice skating too as a family during this time.
0: Okay. I, I've always found Christmas Eve to be more enjoyable than Christmas, probably because Christmas represents the end of the Christmas season as opposed to kind of the culmination of it. And, and you hear a lot of people talk, whether it's Midnight Mass or, or Seven Fishes, uh, for, for those with Italian heritage, something like that. So it, it's funny how that kind of is is really, to me, more of the holiday. It starts at like 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, yes. as much as anything.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. But we have Christmas uh, at our house with, with my family, which is great. So we have my two brothers and their their families over, which is always nice as well.
0: Well, since we last spoke, the Hawks were three and one. All three wins a little different in different ways. You can talk a little bit about that uh, since our last episode. An interesting game with Boston University. Uh, kind of a, a I want say back and forth, never really trailed after the early going, but a lead throughout the game, the, the Terriers tied it very late, but then the Hawks did what so many teams failed to do and hit free throws to put away a game. We'll talk a little bit about that. The the free throws by you know Talia Brugler and Julian Nystrom to, to ice the game. Obviously, that's something that you guys focus on in practice and all. But when you see it, when you see it happen in a game, is there a obviously you're proud of them as a coach? But is there kind of like a knock on effect for them? Are they looking at that saying, "Hey, look, we've won games where we've run away from the other team. We've won games where we've we've come from behind." Now we, we, we've we won a game that, you know, maybe we didn't play as well as we wanted down the stretch, but we we hung on anyway.
1: Yeah, I think we had to really rely on our defensive stops uh, down that in that stretch. You know, we weren't scoring as much um, and we were missing shots. Our shooting percentage was not was not great that game, but we were able to find ways to win on the defensive floor uh, side of the floor. You saw Zigor have a great block. Um, we did execute um to make it a five-point game down the stretch. Um, And so – I think those those are really important plays moving forward because I do think, you know, you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, well, they're 9-0 at the time or 8-0 or whatever it was, they haven't been challenged. Well, we certainly have been challenged. And I think that's – and to be able to play and not shoot well in some some games and some parts during games and still come out with a win when the other team is battling back and, you know, basketball is a game of runs. It's a, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, are you going to sustain the run? Are you going to be able to maintain – Um, that level of uh, intensity and while holding the other team. So, you know, I was really proud of them for, for, um, you know, just being really relentless and being very selfless down the stretch and being able to make those free throws. I I think they're very, we are confident shooters and um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to be challenged as we move forward, but definitely this, this was a confidence booster for us.
0: And we talked last time about the poise and the calm that, that the team has shown this year in big spots and, That's kind of what it builds towards, right? Like it's there's no bigger spot than the closing minute of a game that you've seen a lead slip away, but you're in a position to to to, to win it at the free throw line, or or like you would mention, extending a lead, making a defensive play when you need it. And so, do you see that build from game to game? Is it just you know it's it's something intrinsic, I guess, with with an athlete, with a basketball player to, to understand when. The big plays are required, but it's entirely something else to do it, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that the players know what we want to do down the stretch. We know we have a couple options with different players and getting them different looks. But at the end of the day, they have to make plays for and with each other. And so I, I think our chemistry is really good. On, on the floor, um, you know, you see the bench very, very involved and always ready to come in and, and contribute, and that's really, really important. Um, you know, I, I tell the team all the time, like, you want to make sure that uh, we don't beat ourselves, right? I mean, you want to make sure if a team's going to beat us, it's because they, they were better than us that day. But you never want to beat yourself, and by that I mean by, like, maybe failing down the stretch where you don't need to fail, putting the team on the um, – on the free-throw line unnecessarily earlier in you know the end of the 30 end of the fourth or in the in the back end of that that is quarter so I think you know you try to control the stuff that you can control but um, and I think one of those is failing and I think we learn from that game uh, moving forward
0: well a couple days later took on Drexel the dragon's are a little short-handed but when a good team plays against another team that is missing maybe one of its top players the Hawks did what the good team does, and they went and won by 20 points. It was a 69-49 win. Game was basically over at halftime, score-wise. Uh, obviously, Drexel, one of those Philly teams, never quits. That's a it's an entirely different sort of game than the one that you played three days earlier. So when you get a big lead at halftime, and the other teams scrapping to come back, but you know you're making those plays and you're keeping them at bay how does that affect not maybe you know a coaching decision but how does that affect the way that that you as coaches are are maybe talking to them in the huddle or uh i don't know th- th- is there an effect of like hey look this we have a big lead we need to just put this one away versus you know when you're trying to preserve a smaller lead
1: yeah i mean i think you 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 talk about what it those things that got you that that lead, you know, we move the ball really well, we shot the ball really well, we defend it really well, and um, so I think you just re you reiterate those things of why we we had a you know twenty point lead or why we had a ten point lead or whatever it was going into the halftime, but um, and then during every timeout or an, any kind of stoppage of play, you, you still need to remind them to do the little things. You know, we're still. Um, talking about you know taking limiting possessions for their their best player. Let's work on help the helper. We got to win the rebounding more. You know we've got to be able to execute an offense. We knew a team like Drexel is not going to just lay down and die. They're going to come back and they're going to fight right. And so um, we we got to re- remember to keep up the intensity. Do what we do well. And if they go on a run, we've got to be able to kind of push back and make sure that that doesn't get any further than you know five five. Five or six points.
0: Yeah, because a 20-point lead can become a 10-point lead real quick.
1: Especially when you're shooting the three. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, you know, bing, bang, boom, and you have three empty possessions, and, uh, you know, it's a different game.
0: Following that, a trip to Ryder, old friend Lynn Milligan, former assistant coach leading the Bronx, a 22-9 first quarter for the Hawks. But Ryder won the last three quarters. The game, again, close down the stretch, kind of similar maybe to that BU game, maybe a little bit of element of what you're talking about. From that Drexel game, you know, they were were down big after one quarter, but, you know, there's still three quarters of the game left to play. They're still coming. Talk a little bit about, you know, the team's resilience to, you know, kind of hang on to that lead, keep them far enough at bay to win the game, especially on the road. There's really... You can't say too much about winning on the road, no matter where you're going. It's 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 not a long trip. It's not that far away, but it's still a road game, and, and it's in an environment maybe that they're not as familiar with as maybe they would be a league team or, or a team in Philly. So, I mean, if you can just talk a little bit about that win and how, how you can draw something from, from that experience as well to, to kind of take into the conference season.
1: Yeah, I think, like you said, we started off really, really well. The first three minutes of any game is really important, any quarter, any half. Um, we shot the ball well. The ball was moving. We were getting any, any look that we wanted. Um, and then second quarter, you know, it picked up the intensity. We weren't getting the looks as, as uh, the, the same look, so we were getting some different looks. The ball didn't get in the basket. Uh, they were scoring. Um, so, the, you know, you, again, you knew that you were going to get a little pushback. Uh, you know, Lynn's a great coach. You know, we run the same type of offense, you know. Um, so you're you're kind of like playing against yourselves in a lot of ways. <laughs> but, you know, just to be able to, again, intensity, like I was really, really um, pleased with our our ball screen defense. I think our post players were hedging. We were pushing them back. And then um, you know, we had some miscues in transition a couple times. And then just any team that, you, that you're that you playing against at home or especially on the road, like you just don't want to give a team any type of confidence going into any kind of – or sustaining any time kind of run. So, um, you know, we got – we, we obviously gave the first punch, they started to the punch back, and, you know, we were obviously up enough in that first quarter to be able to sustain that, and, um, you know, what would we have done differently? I mean, I, I do think that, you know, we just, we missed a lot of easy baskets down the stretch that we normally don't miss, um, and I'm talking about layups, um, but that's the name of the game, you know, and you just got to be relentless, getting offensive rebounds, getting stops on the other end, but... Um, You know, you saw that we, um, you know, Ziegler had a double-double that game, which was great. You know, Talia came up really big. I mean, Jaycott was doing her thing and she ends up getting banged up a little bit at the end of that. So what I really liked about that, it was that we didn't have our starting point guard for the, the end of the game. And I think um and and Liv Mullins came in and did a really good job on a you know she had a sprained thumb that we didn't even know she was going to play that day um so it was it was kind of a weird day for us um but nonetheless on the road um and we knew like I told the players that this we are Vanderbilt for them right so like we go in and we beat Vanderbilt on their home court like it was a really big win for our program, and that right. would just be the same thing for a team like Ryder to beat St. Joe's, right? right. So, like we 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 told them that, um, and even knowing that 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 they just never they ever gave up and they 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 stayed um, really true to our core principles and uh, was really proud of the way that they finished the game.
0: Now, obviously, the next game at Villanova didn't go the way you wanted. Uh, are there any lessons to take from a game like that, or is that one you kind of just you know you kind of put it in the bin and forget about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I watched it several times, and, you know, we started glutton off. Glutton for punishment. <laughs> well, glutton for punishment, but here's the thing. Like, you, we started out 22, you know, in our first quarter against um, Drexel, against uh, Ryder, we just talked about. And so, that's what happened to us in the first quarter. Right. You know, like, they made every shot. They saw 73%, you know, from three. And it's like, all right. Well, the game plan was to, obviously, limit Segrist's touches, but... The other kids stepped up and they made shots and that's you know that's what good teams do because if you're taking away the primary you got to be able to guard the secondary and and third scorers and they made shots and so a lot of credit to them they are very very good team um i would have loved to get that first quarter back because i think we won you know the second and the third so um but definitely a lot of lessons learned and um they were the better team that day, and so that, um, you know that's just going to make us hungrier moving forward, but definitely need to learn from it, but not, not dwell on it too much.
0: Let's take a break, and we'll have more with Cindy Griffin when we come back. You can support St. Joseph's Athletics by making a tax-deductible gift to the Hawk Athletic Club. These gifts are essential to providing student-athletes with the resources to excel in the classroom, in the community, and in competition. Make an impact on St. Joseph's Athletics by visiting sjuhawks.com slash H-A-C and donating to the Hawk Athletic Club today. Today's show is brought to you by Mainline Health. Four suburban hospitals, four top regional rankings, and a proud sponsor of the St. Joseph's Hawks. For award-winning human care, visit mainlinehealth.org. The Kettle Club Podcast Network is brought to you by Rothman Orthopedics. Rothman Orthopedics, the official team physicians of your St. Joseph's Hawks, provides the region with unmatched orthopedic care. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit www.RothmanOrtho.com. For orthopedic excellence, think Rothman first. And also by Univest. Handle all your banking remotely with the Univest mobile platform. Easy, convenient, and secure, because life needs a little more wow. Live life, stay connected with Univest. Univest Bank and Trust Company, member FDIC. We're back here with head coach Cindy Griffin on the Cindy Griffin podcast. We talked about the game against Boston university. One thing we didn't talk about Katie Jacott hit the thousand point milestone in that game. Real nice for her to be able to get that milestone at home in front of family and friends and, and the Hawk fans. L- let's talk about her and, and her contribution to the team and the program coming back for one last year with the COVID eligibility. And, and you see like a lot of, of what, what she does on the floor isn't scoring you know, facilitator, we talked earlier and last week I said about the poise and, and the calm that the team shows on the floor. And a lot of that starts with her and her experience. I, I've said before, I don't think anybody takes more pride in taking a charge than Katie does. So let's talk a little bit about her and what she's meant to the Hawks this year, but more moreover for throughout her career.
1: Yeah, I think Katie has grown and matured into a steady ball handler for us. You know, came in as a two guard, actually played the four spot for us, I think, her freshman year. Um, and so saw, was able to see the game from different angles. But being the primary ball handler uh, now, she's really improved her ball handling, her passing, uh, her decision making. And has always had the grit, has always had the defensive mentality, um, you know, is able to hit the open shot. You know, we call her Big Shot uh, Jacob because she does make big shots. Um, but the ability to <clears throat> handle the ball and, um, you know, put our, her teammates in successful situations has been really, really huge. Um, for us and um, you know, just helping out mentor with the younger players because we have a young team. We have eight freshmen and sophomores on a 12-person roster. So um, to be able to have that senior leadership and to set the example and to kind of show the young kids the way um, has been instrumental not only last year but even leading into this year.
0: Does that make it easier to kind of coach a team into playing defense when you know your veteran who's been around four, five, six years has bought in on that end? The whole selfless and relentless thing, really defensively, the, the relentlessness is, is the key there. And it talked before about you know, people buying in. The best way it seems to get them to do that is to see the others doing it. Is, is that what, what you found? Maybe not specifically just with Katie, but just kind of in general, a, a player like that, of that caliber, who has that sort of gravitas and a program leading on the floor like that.
1: Yeah. And I think it comes down to the individual being very competitive, you know, and I think that's what, I mean, defense, you can be fundamental and you can teach angles and slides and all those things. But at the end of the day, it's about you wanting to get a stop and you wanting to be able uh, and having the confidence to do that and to be really good at it. And, and she's really good at it. Um, And it makes our whole team transition defense better. It makes our half court defense better. Um, But uh, it's, it's, it comes down to being competitive, and I think she's very, very. Katie's very competitive, but I think that's um, you know it, it it drizzles down to the the other uh, women on our team too, being very, very competitive. You know, and so she brings that. She's a catalyst for that, and I mean you can see it with our younger players, with Nyström and with with. Um, with Mackenzie Smith and with, with Talia, too, as far as just having that grit and that, you know, having that pride. You know, if you're going to – you want to guard the best perimeter player on the other team, and Katie takes a lot of pride in that. And I and I can see that happening with our younger younger players as well.
0: When well, we talked about the last few games, we'll talk about the next two, the hot classic is coming up and and tournament basketball is different than regular season basketball you're playing back to back days ideally back to back to back days in some situations you're not sure who your opponent's going to be so how helpful is it to have an opportunity to play tournament basketball in the middle of the season
1: yeah it's it's very instrumental because you're re, ultimately you're getting ready for your conference tournament right so that you're going to be playing multiple games with limited preparation um, the difference would be that we'd be playing You know, this is a first time for for these teams, right? right? So you're you're playing Wright State for the first time. You're playing Eastern Michigan for the first time. You're playing James Madison for the first time. Whereas when you get into the conference tournament this will be the second perhaps the third time you're playing these teams so you're a little bit more familiar but that tournament's going to last a little bit longer so now you know to have these tournaments and to have that quick turnover um back to back is really instrumental because you got to see um you know how how the team responds you know with with um the amount of minutes and the load and, and and talking about all those things from a from a conditioning standpoint but also from a strategic standpoint and um you know fundamentally who are we what are we trying to do and staying true to your core principles of you know your defensive principles and then what we're trying to do offensively i don't think you try to change too much in a a short turnover time you know you got to know who you are and what you're trying to do
0: it's not like where like you're doing a football playbook where you're installing a couple of plays specifically for another team you're kind of just trying to run your own stuff and 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 Maybe you, you you have the opportunity to prepare for, we talked about Eastern Michigan, James Madison. You'll face one of those teams in the second day. You have an opportunity to prepare for them, especially with the long break. But in a normal tournament setting, like you said, you're, you're going off of, you know, we played them a couple of months ago, or in the case of last season, you played Duquesne a week before you played them in the tournament. So you're kind of going off of that, and like maybe you're adding a wrinkle or two, but like here is this a situation where you're looking at Wright State and, and you're maybe taking that football approach where you're saying, all right, they do this and this. So this week we're going to learn this instead.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're, you're able to do that. Um, you know, we're 10 games in now. So there's going to be a lot of references to uh, or even common opponents that that maybe they played or a style right. that they play that we've we've played a common opponent that does that. So I think anytime that you're, you know, 10 you're you're a third of your your uh, your schedule in, and now you can refer back to those games and say, okay, you know they run dribble drive or they run the chin. I mean everybody's running the chin right now, the Princeton stuff, and and so um, you know they shoot a lot of threes, right? So those are those are references that now we have enough data on um, on teams, but also um, enough experience from the previous games that we can relate to that. But certainly. Um, you know, we use a lot of film to, um, you know, to prepare for games, but also a lot of references and uh, any kind of breakdown situation, um, you know, from a skill standpoint, we'll try to break those things down as much as possible. How they they guarding ball screens? How are they guarding um, away screens? Do they switch guard to guard? Do they switch one to four? So again, I think we've played enough games that this team has enough experience that we can relate back to that and make, make adjustments as the game goes on.
0: So, so we talked about the, the difference in the previous games, like winning in different ways and talking about now facing different kinds of opponents on, on quick turnarounds and all. This may sound like a silly question, but is that kind of the thought process going into putting together a schedule for your non-conference leading into your conference play? You talked about the importance of the league play, the 8-10 tournament. Well, everything you do in the non-conference helps prepare for that. You know, you're, you're learning the tournament. Uh, routine maybe is the word. You're you're trying to face different teams to play different styles. You're you're learning to win in different ways. Is that when you first take the floor in early November? Are you kind of hoping you're going to get a dozen different games, or is it just like happy accident? We're playing the teams we're playing.
1: Well, the good thing is is that the Philadelphia the the Big Five games and the Drexel game is already built into your schedule, so you're getting uh, very different experiences with with each of the teams now you might say that Drexel and Nova are similar or LaSalle shoots a lot of threes or but we won't see them until you know our first conference game but you know you look at a team like Penn that plays um play zone you know so um you know being prepared for that and and Drexel plays some zone so and 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 they press and temple plays a very up tempo uh style as well they shoot the three very well so you're getting a lot within that's already built into our schedule which is awesome you know but then when you're going out to schedule the other games i don't i don't necessarily think you you think that way just with style of play because coaching changes and all that so you never really do know what you're getting sometimes but you know, sometimes it's it, your, your scheduling is based on availability or what makes sense, and uh, you know, trying to get a kid home or something like that. Right. But. Um, but definitely, I feel very confident that with with our schedule and a, the big five opponents, um, you know, we're gonna we, we're, we're gonna it's gonna prepare us for for the league play for sure. And you know, we get down to North Florida, we didn't know a whole lot about them. You know, you're you're at Vandy, it's an SEC opponent, you're getting a different different quality of um, experience there. Um, you know, maybe a different type of athlete, but you know, those are those are intentional for sure.
0: Well, the Hawk Classic takes place at Hagen Arena this Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon. Then it's on to conference play as the Hawks visit LaSalle on December 31st and George Washington on January 4th before your home conference opener, St. Louis, January 7th. Coach, good luck with all of those games, and uh, hopefully you get a little chance to enjoy the holidays a little bit in between.
1: Joe, thank you very much, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
0: Our thanks to St. Joseph's Women's Basketball Coach Cindy Griffin for being here, and our thanks to you for listening. Have a safe and happy holiday season, and we'll see you in the new year. Be sure to subscribe to the Kettle Club Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can also find us at sguhawks.com podcasts.